welcome to Fallout Podcast, episode 78, and it just goes to show. Bloody hell, double figures. It is a futile fall showdown, all 525 songs going head-to-head. Hootsmon, ultimate shit, showdown, shakedown, four eras, 77, 85, 86, 93, 94, 01, 02, 017. And it is here. We have, after 78 long, arduous episodes, we have reached the end, the final episode in round one, joined by Michelle William Billy Rugby, the bastard offspring of etc. etc. How are you, Pippin? I'm 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 in a state, man. I think I've run out of stuff to say. I don't I don't know what I'm gonna say today. So much in it. So bloody much. Al's missed the link. He says, Where's the link? What is it? We've only been doing it. We've only been doing it. Too much. Where are we at? And joined by Lord Sage Temple. What do you seek, Oblivion? Well, I think I found what I seek, which is a perfect replica of Matthew McConaughey's face growing out the back of my head and speaking to me in my dreams. Beautiful. It's a big old face he's got, isn't it? It's a haunting image. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and joined by uh, Tiny Tim, Tiny Tim Twan. Are, are we with it? Is he with us today? He was. He was. He was in it ever such. Much. Such for panic this morning, tapping away on his uh, haunted etch sketch. Brilliant. And uh, I'm uh, uh, not not joined by Chris Barrow of Wigan. He's gone to the ballet. And <laughs> joined by Alistair T. Pemberton Bone Walker and Drugs Walk the Streets. How you doing, Al? I'm eating a breakfast. Best meal of the day. And I am three beards O'Reilly. I got no nerves this morning. I think I'll cut my dish off. And Patreon chip-ins from Leon Jumble Sale, Michael Lee, and Max W, new new Patreon. Cash is just literally rolling in. <laughs> um, but before we get on to that, sadly, a loss. Uh, Andy Roke, uh, bass player with Manchester Combo, the Smiths, um, had sadly passed away this week. Um, he has a couple of fall connections. He was in a band with Funky Sai, Johnny Marr, Funky Sai, and Andy Roke before... Pre-Smiths, and apparently um, Funky Sai was asked to join the Smiths. Also, was in the Storm Roses at one point. Got around, didn't he? Um, and also, when Bricks left in 88 after uh, Friends and Curious Orange, and Seminal was that Seminal that, that did it for her, um, Andy Rourke was briefly part of her backing man. So I'm going to have a listen to a couple of uh, tracks, if you don't mind. The first one is um, called... Crack Therapy from Freak Party, which was the band that Funky Sai was in with Andy Rock. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a fantastic tune, but you could definitely hear Rock's bass playing in there. Thank you. 
last night of the fair By the big wheel generator A boy is stopped when his money is grabbed And the air hangs heavy like a girl in wine She is famous, she is funny An engagement ring doesn't mean a thing To a mind consumed by brass and money And a boy will come along We don't need to hear that fella sing, do we? As beautiful as his voice is. So we heard um, Crack Therapy from, from Free Party, the pre-Smiths uh, band from Spunky Side, and then we heard Rush on Ruffians and, and Barbarism Begins at Home, which was the very similar bass line to that, that first one. Very funky. Uh, Rourke said about Barbarism Begins at Home, um, playing slap bass with a pick. I don't think Morrity thought it was cool to do a slap bass, but I had bought some level 42 records and thought they were great. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, anything to add to the uh, to, to yeah. this? Yeah, I, I, I thought that, um, like, well, has anybody read Morrissey's autobiography? Um, possibly. Ooh. It doesn't stick with me. <laughs> He's, he's not very kind about Andy Rowe, mainly through, through the legal stuff. And when I say not very kind, I'm being very polite. Uh, so he's not exactly covered himself in glory there. And the, the only statement I've heard from Morrissey about it was, uh, uh, you know, Andy Rowe will never die as long as the people carry on listening to his music. Yeah. Uh, which also, also my music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Morrissey, he's... he's um, yeah, a bit of a twat, and really like, um, but yeah, the, the way that like uh, Rock's bass and, and Johnny Marr's guitar work together, like so melodically, um, and like it's like so effortlessly, but you know, it just sounds really intricate. Um, some great stuff. What is interesting about the Smiths is that, yeah, that interplay, that delicious interplay between Marr, Rourke, and Joyce, uh, is. Yeah, especially Rourke and, and, and Mars kind of stuff. Like those choices, this obviously highlighted the best, but so many other tracks, like the, the Queen is Dead, for example, and the Cemetery Gates and things like that, where the bass and the guitar are really nicely intertwined. That's what makes the Smiths as much as Morrissey, which is why his solo stuff doesn't stand out as much, because the, the Smiths were... Uh, every single member of the Smiths was it was uh, bringing something really interesting um, to the Knicks. Yeah, it, it's interesting listening to those that you played. Then, I mean, I, I was never that massively into the to the Smiths, but um, you, the the technicality of the playing and the the approach of it's always great listening to a band of musicians where it's not about what they are doing; it's about how they are complementing what is going on by the band. And like the Smiths are the epitome of that from a musical point of view. It's everything is there to complement everything else. Um, and it's it 
as much as we would like sort of cringe and sneer at a band like Level 42, technically his bass playing is exceptional. It's a, he's a very, very, he's always been rated as one of the best British bassists. Um, so I could understand why a bassist would get hold of Level 42 albums and be excited about it. And you can kind of hear it, can't you? It's, it, uh, the other thing I was reflecting on then is that whole strange uh, Manchester uh, disco axis uh, with the, the sort of transatlantic thing, which you can also hear a lot in that. Um, so, yeah, sadly missed. It's always a shame. Yeah, has anything to add on the Smiths? Yeah, you know, um, I had a, I had a brief dalliance with the Smiths. I'm glad that I didn't go any deeper because not long after that, Morrissey made an absolute fucking tool of himself. I'm not sure if he was always a tool like, you know, Van Morrison, for example. Um, and yeah, you know, I thought the Smiths were pretty fucking ace. And the thing that really stood out to me, apart from, you know, the definitely excellent lyrics and music, was it felt like, you know, they were taking a kind of it felt to me like they were almost playing often, not always maybe, but often playing in African kind of scales. And it, it it's also something that I've heard in the Deruti column, and it always really interested me. And I, I don't know if this is just my imagination because I don't know anything about scales, but it always seemed to me to be, there always seemed to be some relation to African music and kind of the, these African type scales. And it was interesting because, of course, you know, it's the north of England and the weather is sodden and grimy. And that's also reflected in the music. You know, there's this kind of grey scale, but you feel the joy coming through in the scales that they're using. It's that high life. It's the tone. Of, it's the it's Johnny Mars. Yeah, it is. It's the high life kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Jamar's tone, he he never used any distortion or very, very rarely. It was always this very, very clean, uh, fast-picked kind of guitar, and I think that's what that, gives it that, that very light chorus on the tone, isn't it, that just yeah. gives it that sort of, it's that dancey sort of I mean, tone. The, I mean, the, the pinnacle of that is like the treble one, like how soon is now? That's just yeah, like, yeah. it's amazing. Phil, 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 psychomania. Rebel Reed's going to get you. you know, what a great movie. But anyway, a, a sad loss there, uh, Andy Rourke. And um, uh, we shall never see the likes of a band like the Smiths again. And that puts paid to any, however unlikely the reunions were ever going to be. I think that puts paid to that. So we move on. Tonight is a big one. It's the last episode of round one, not including the second chance bag, which is coming up soon. But it is um, second Dark Age versus Prol Art Threat versus Lie Dream of Casino Soul. Two of them going through. Then My Door is Never versus Mexico Wax Solvent versus Lodestones. Again, two of them going through and etc. etc. It goes on. Well, let's get into it and have a little bit of a, a listen to second Dark Age. Fat paupers women Clap return of glass house
Indeed, indeed. So the second arcade was the B-side to Fiery Jack. We never established whether or not it was done at the same session or whether uh, Mayo Thompson uh, produced it or not. But uh, it's, a, it's a delightful uh, track from 1980. But Pip, as is customary, what's your take on second arcade? Wow. Well, we were having a bit of a chat about this before, weren't we? It's two minutes of where the hell do I start with this? It, it's um, deceptively simple as a song. It's uh, beautifully constructed. It's dense as hell conceptually. Um, I can hear Riley coming through in the music. Whenever I think about Riley's contribution musically to the band, it's this kind of stuff. It's this sort of bit twee bit what we call pop indie i guess um it's it's got that it's 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 got a punky attitude but it's got no distortion on it and it's it's got a very sort of nerdy feel to it all and then it's pasted over with mezzi's uh dark twisted lyrics about something I, I was trying to decode the politics in it last night and uh, i'm kind of left guessing all the way through it it reminds me a lot of the uh um i forgot his name then, but the author that we uh that we were talking about Wyndham lewis uh in in that sort of uh everybody's in his sights um so deep so much to unpack um i'll do some bingo yummy fur I could even hear the Stone Roses in this, um, the Roman Total reference. There's so much. It's only two minutes long. Yeah, it's, it is a very strange track, and it's perfectly suited for the fall to stick in on a B-side. Um, but Ezra, what do you make of it? Yeah, I really, really fucking love this track. Like, I, I first heard it... Uh, on the expanded edition of Dragnet, and it just sunk straight into my head. And it's just partly it's the title because it's such a perfectly evocative title. And the way that refrain is used in the music over the kind of descending guitar line, and it, it, it's just a perfect hook. And it just drags you in and drags itself into your head and stays lodged in there, at least for me. And then you know, it's so interesting. These three tracks, there's all of them lyrically are a dense web of allusions and references to politics, history, fucking, well, whatever. And, you know, I was thinking about this and, you know, it's like, I don't know that there's any other singer who really does this? Maybe Scott Walker, I don't know. But, you know, like I was thinking of some of the bands that get likened to The Fall. And the two examples that sprung to my mind, one was Sleaford Mods. And I think Sleaford Mods are pretty damn good from what I've heard. But, you know, like the singer there, he's talking mainly about politics and he's talking about his experience of now, of the now. You know, mostly it's on the nose about current, shit that's going on and the way that people are experiencing that and dealing with it uh and the other one was yard act which is just like a fucking algorithm of indie bingo fucking pseudo significant fucking dog shit basically um and you know smith he deals with 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 politics and he deals with them a lot in this song but in all of his lyrics, he's always kind of 
collapsing time, if you like. And like he's constantly relating historical shit to the now and then just spicing it up with gibberish and pop culture references and his own personal lived experience. And yeah, so in this song, I'll read some of the lyrics there. Fat conference women clap return of glass house and the Arabs have it made. Oil is women in veils, eyes glazed, second dark age, death of the USA, return of the family and pursuit of cabbages and the common crapheads sit and whine while the common near my birthplace is now a police college. It's a second dark age. Um, and so what we've got here is references to glass houses, which was basically um, a kind of old school Tory way of describing borstals. Like, and these were very, you know, like if you've seen the movie Scum, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's just a place where so. you send. <laughs> Don't go there. House. <laughs> exactly. And, and then we've got references to like, um, you know, the rise of Khomeini in Iran. Um, and considering that I think the USA has some fingers in some of that, then we've also got Watch Return of the family <laughs> and pursuit of cabbages, which pursuit of pursuit of freedom, maybe. And and then maybe a, a, a poke at like um, commune, well, you know, squat activists. Uh, and then like another reference to a common in, I think it was Prestwick, which got turned into, and it's insane. And this is like one of their early, early songs. And like, you know, to pull all that together in a fucking song, that's just nuts. It's in nuts. Two minutes. In two minutes, in, two, yeah. in a two-minute song, and that's just the first fucking quarter and or so, and, it, and it's catchy as hell. Yeah, and it's catchy <laughs> as hell. And he also he also references a ghost dance, which is something that you know, like that's a motif that he kind of returns to, and that was super interesting to me because the ghost dance is a kind of Native American uh, ritual dance, right, which is meant to unite the living and the dead in a kind of an act of solidarity. And it seems like the way that he's using it is to suggest that kind of left-wing politics, as it's performed in the UK, is a kind of empty ritual. Now, I don't think he's casting any judgment onto the actual ghost dance, but maybe his thinking is, is that in the face of American colonialism, of the you know the colonialism that was imposed on the Americans by the immigrants from Europe, yeah. uh, that it you know it kind of loses meaning or the meaning is crushed, and so yeah you know it seems like he's kind of like going for the kind of performative nature of left wing politics where people sit and argue and split hairs whilst the actual conditions of the uh, working classes that they're meant to be fighting for just continue to degrade, possibly. But this is a fascinating song. It's catchy as fuck. It's pure pop, and it's got ace lyrics. The only thing that's a bit of a black mark in my book is that he's still got a bit of the old Johnny Rottens going on in his uh, vocal delivery. But all the other stuff makes up for that. 
I know it's dense, dense stuff. This this three way here of second arcade, lie dream of casino soul, and prole art threat is yeah, it is. That is, if you wanted to show somebody, okay, you think the fall is just another chap sing talking over some wonky. Oh, is that that punk band? Yeah, exactly. Have a listen to these three songs and then come back and we can have a chat. But yeah, I'm with you. Like Sleeping Mods, I like a lot, but it is on the nose kind of. It's not that funny, not that clever. It's not, doesn't have the literary kind of like depth of Smith. And yeah, all those other bands, as much as I can have a listen for a while. It ain't TMF. This is this is it's it's Thatcher. It's it's our values. But Alistair, what else is it? It's, it's a song, isn't it? That's what it is, basically. <laughs> um, I think there's two very different bits to this song. Uh, like the chorus is brilliant. Love it. I think it's great. Verse kind of plods and don't really do anything. Uh, I I agree with you. Like sort of like lyrically and conceptually it's it's bloody great isn't it and you have to slam all that into two minutes you can't beat that but um it's from the period where the, the you know it's they're just emerging from the punky stuff and i think i'd have preferred it so like the the verse bits would have been a bit faster had a bit more of an edge to it um you know because that, that's the, the kind of quality that you've got in the chorus uh with, with the guitar what it's doing with the toms sort of like really kind of like nailing it down um, yeah, the, the verse just seems to plod in, in comparison. Uh, but it's, it's a good tune. Yeah, I think the political idea of this second dark age that you know we often you know this is 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 common political rhetoric to talk about falling back into this kind of a dark age kind of idea. But the the, the first thing I thought about was Lovecraft, uh, beginning of Call of Cthulhu, where he talks about. Um, and Smith re- reads this when he does that story for Christmas. He reads this up, and the most merciful thing in the world is the inability of the human mind to correlate all of its content. You know, um, we we see so little of reality that basically someday by piecing together the disso- disassociated knowledge will open up such terrifying vistas of reality and our frightful position therein that we shall either go mad from the revelation or flee from the deadly light into the peace and safety of a new dark age. But what does Tim think? Dark age. So he was uh, panicking because Tim forgot what day it was. Right. Second dark age. Prime slice of early fall in pop inflected mode. The guitar riff is an absolute classic. Spidery and post-punky but still killer. The clutter of keys is wonderful and the restless drums too. Polished little gem. Yeah, I've, uh, I, I think a wonky riffage and a snarky mark. He is definitely on the turn from the rotten into a bit more of what made Mark Mark and uh, the Riley chant there in the background. Um, some nice kind of clusters on the keys, falling asleep on the keys and bongo tastic drums. Um, we talked a little bit about the the, the drums potentially mirroring uh, techno, which I had I I didn't really buy for the tracks we were listening to um, at the time, Fire Jack and stuff. But on this, the hi hats of those really high, clear tones. I was thinking like that. That I could see how that kind of um, definitely has a lot of um, influence it's, on, on yeah, techno. It's, it's yeah, okay. with the drums, I can see more of that in Stephen Morris's drumming. Well, he was yeah. very much influenced by dance rhythms, right? As, like, as we know, her. like he was well into like Jackie Leibsite and people like that, you know. Yeah, um, 
uh, insistent keys in ropey in the most delightful way. And uh, Max, our new patron, says a mediocre anti-Jew. We're not going to get into <laughs> what he may or may not mean by that, both uh, Smith and others. I thought that was that's a brilliant rabbit hole on the Amatertic Fall website. I was that was one of the things I was I thought was really impressive actually that. Uh, the the uniqueness of anti-Semitism being the fact that it's done with an attitude of well you know I'm just like everybody else kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah the, um yes anyone out there hasn't been to the Anti-Semitic Fall on this particular song there is there is a lot it's it's, it's a very very long and dense page with and it's fantastic as always but uh, they they do a really good job on this this song and uh, I hope he gets another chance because there's so much more to to talk about on this song um no sun on sunday or any day the city is dead but ghosts dance right tepid i could join a pre a prey peace group spy in norway cause groups can change the world and meet miss fjord and benny miss fjord and benny hi i am benny a mediocre anti-jew and single people are screwed in the second dark age i am roman total 17 the bastard offspring of charles the first and the great god pan oh my goodness we could go on and on and on about this absolutely um this b-side this b-side from 1980 but we cannot i believe that's everyone and we need to go it is up against both pearl art threat and lie dream of casino soul as it is the last the era one songs so let's have a listen to pro art threat off slates every this is the last track off slates and every other song has gone through so no pressure pro art threat pink press rats <laughs> Ezra, Prole Art Threat. What a mission statement. Mm. And again, what a fucking <laughs> resonant title we've got here. A perfect, perfect song title. And it, it really matches the song perfectly as well. And yeah, to start off with the music, I would say that, you know, like if you wanted to kind of sum up the musical approach of the fall in the early days i think this is maybe a perfect example because it's got that great fucking amphetamine psychosis can't sit down continual scratch riff that just goes on through the whole fucking song of it and then lyrically it's off the hook it's like some kind of damaged uh play or screenplay um probably it didn't make any sense before it got damaged but now it's been damaged and it makes almost no sense but nonetheless i tried to make a bit of sense off it and so you know i'm going to read this quote from from marky smith himself uh prole art threat is about the destruction of these ridiculous liberal views which perpetuate the system 
They laugh at the skinheads. They laugh at the punks. They laugh at the heavy metal kids. And then they turn around and say the Americans are bigoted and fascist. And then later on, in another quote from another interview, it started as a play about some commuter type who flips out on leftism and gets caught up with the MI5 and that dot, dot, dot. It was like how everyone's going on about the working class, but when they do something, it's seen as a threat. It was like an anti-intellectual middle-class song. And so here I was kind of thinking a lot about it because there really isn't that much to go on in the lyrics, but there's this constant refrain of pink press threat. And so, you know, like, you know, pinko means essentially a guardian journalist. It, it's like a fake communist who's kind of in the mainstream and claims to be representing actual left-wing beliefs when they're probably too piss weak to actually do it. And, and you know, like a lot of these things, I imagine it kind of started as a left-wing insult directed towards spineless lefties, but was co-opted by the right. And so, yeah, and so, you know, it, it, it feels to me like it's a lot about the fact, and, and this is kind of also blending in and carrying, coming out of the last song and blending into the next song. It's about the way the media works uh, with youth culture, with working class culture, with, with all of this fucking stuff. And, you know, everyone hears a hum at 3 a.m., but in the safe house, it's not around. So, you know, if the safe house is the pink press, presses safe house, they're, in my imagination, inoculating themselves from what people are actually thinking in order to provide them with the script of what they believe they should be thinking. Is it, I don't know, it's possible, but... Well said, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking brilliant song. I'll, I'll I'll let it go there. I've got five more pages of notes, but we can save them. <laughs> it was about it was about five minutes ago that I realised I'd made a grave error in putting eleven songs on today's playlist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, this last episode will need to be split into two because what you're saying there is fantastic, wonderful, and we do not want to shortchange these songs because this is some deep. Whatever, we'll see how it goes, won't we? But um, Alistair, what do you make of Roll Art Threat? Well, it's, uh, it's off slate. Bloody fantastic. Um, it's, it's got a lot of tension to it. And it's like a, like pulling back an elastic band uh, and just like letting it go uh, with the way that it's like, again, two very distinct parts to the song. Um You've got like the like the really sort of like big build up with the like the what sounds like a biscuit barrel snare drum playing like military style, uh, and then you got it like where, where the bass and the 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 cymbals kick in, and you get the groove. And when the groove starts, that's just like fucking evil. Um, it's, it's it's really good, really really good. Um, don't get into the lyrics, so you know you, you can thank me for that. Um, uh, but musically, it's brilliant. And uh, if everything from Slates goes through, so be it. It's it's deserving of it. They all need to go through. They all need to win. <laughs> it's it's going to be tight. It's a tough one. Absolutely. Man with Chip. 
I'm riding third class on one class train. I'm set at naught like a wimpy crane. I'm a pink pearl thread. Gent in safe house. Get out to the pink press threat file and um resumpt the subject. Man with chip. It's Delouse recluse time. Man with chip. The clan has gotten away with 100 years, dissipated and knackered of sheer brilliance at home, video reach up till now, stereo bog, etc. <laughs> but what does Tim think? <laughs> He's put another absolute stormer. I love how the seventh baseline screams to be resolved and just refuses it over and over against the dissonance created by the held guitar chord. Mez is on full dynamic mode like a demented circus announcer. The only thing I don't like it about it is the length and you could double it for me. Yeah, the this the thing about slates is we hear so much about speed and, and Mark's usage and love of it. I don't think it's obvious on too many songs, but on this I mean, actually, in his delivery, and I think on Slate... You can't hear him sniffing heavily. <laughs> it's not like he's he's just, like, rant, like, purely ranting. And so, Slate, I think, stands out for me because it just seems like he's, like, taking a, <laughs> taking a, a bit of a, a sniff in between choruses and verses. <laughs> this one particularly, <laughs> he is... Full on, like proper screaming in your face. And um, it, it seems like as much as I love Second Dark Age and, and the depth of its concept, it's like he's taken that song and just fucking turned everything up and he's screaming. The aggressive chiming guitars, the bass is just menacing. And Smith is as snarky as he gets. Um it's it's brilliant and it is all gone far far too soon and you know the idea of a prole art threat is just magnificent and this being the fall you don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing or whether that's him describing himself or someone he hates <laughs> it's like, uh, um, <laughs> um and max over there on the on the patreon prole art threat is the most archetypal of fall songs. It is a musical meat grinder with chords replaced with sheets of razor metal slicing one against each other. Yum. A delicious musical sausage has popped out. Um, it is not time for a vote. It is time for us list to listen to the third song in this uh, three-way. Two of them will go through. But before that, of course, I want to know what Bill Ruby thinks of Pro Heart Threads. <laughs> well... Here's a, here's a little quiz for you. What am I describing? Performed with each note sharply detached or separated from the others, with each note to be performed... Staccato. Staccato. I was thinking this whole piece sounds like a challenge. It sounds like let's write a piece where everything is played in staccato. And it's it just feels like that all the way through. The, the vocals, the, the riff, the elements of the riff, Everything is just punching you in the face. It's the most aggressive classical musical style, and he and they craft the pop song like that. And it's, I think, it is another phenomenal bit of uh, performance above uh, everything else. But I think as a as a song, it's great. Um, and wasn't this one of the suggestions for the name of this podcast at one point? Yeah, yeah, and it would. Would have certainly been a good one, other than the fact that you're middle class. 
<laughs> but uh, I, I just think this is um, it's a perfect musical vehicle for Mark to bark up the top of and everything to come together, like we were saying before at the start, about uh, everything complementing everything else. This is everyone playing to the strengths. Absolutely. Um, it is up against Lie Dream of Casino Soul. He's, he wrote a song about Wigan, didn't he? He did. This is the Wigan song. November 1981. So all of these songs took place within the space of about a year. Alistair, lie dream of Casino Soul. Single. Brilliant. Brilliant. <clears throat> like, I love the structure of it, the way it, it just keeps on changing all the way through it. Um, and there's loads of other things that really tick boxes for me as well. Like, you know, I'm such a child for kazoos. Love them. Uh, this hand claps in there. Fantastic. Um, and it's got a bit of a seeds feel to it with the keys, I think. Uh, but yeah, you've got a really sort of weird groove going on. Um, and the way it gets like more melodic towards the end, uh, and it's, that's like almost like a, a different song in itself. Like you know, Phil mentioned Yummy Fur earlier. Uh, I kind of uh, I've hit the bingo uh, on this one, um, but yeah, it, it's fantastic single, brilliant artwork as well. Yeah, uh, by Savage uh, Pencil, right? Which who um, who still does a lot of stuff for the Wire. Interestingly enough, there's the wire this month has got that twenty page kind of thing on the on the fall, which I haven't read yet. So. Savage yeah. pencil, who is that? Uh, I think his name's Edwin Ponce or Ponce, and um he, he did uh he does those very uh, kind of like psychedelic and twisted kind of uh, comic kind of strips and, and so, so the one that was on the second dark age when you started that it had the fall coming down with like roots going into something and then loads of alchemical kind of things on the bottom is that one him? no no he that's did the cover him. of um he did the cover of lie dream of casino soul and that's that's very much in his style those kind ah, of that reminds um, me of some, some this kind of stuff grotesque kind of uh faces and stuff yeah and he's done stuff for the wire and a lot of uh, british publications for a long long time he'd be great to get on i'd love to to um to, to try and uh, get in touch with him but anyway what does tim think of lie dream of casino so well i shall tell you brendan with these songles you're really spoiling this i think of this trio this one has to take point as a perfect fall song Intricate and knotty, brutal and grinding, but somehow still incredibly catchy. Everything is perfectly judged and proportioned, and for me, nothing dominates. Like a well-oiled machine that is fucked up, but just keeps on pumping. I love the magic of the chorus, with the line increasing by a word each time, feeling like a slipped gear and declaimed with pomp and irony. The claps, the kazoos, the keys, everything. Just fucking everything. He's so right. He's so right. Um... But I also think he nails it with the fact that um, 
what I like about the other two is that something does dominate and it's it's wonky. There's a there's something to hang on to. And although I really like this, it doesn't it doesn't have that as much for me. Um I like the fact that they didn't just do a cheesy northern soul kind of rip off. It's not a northern soul beat. <laughs> it could it should have been if you, any other band would have just said, okay, we'll just do a straight up four to the floor kind of northern soul beat. But no, I'm I'm gonna do like a, a country and western beat over the top of it and a, a nice twangy riff, discordant uh, keys on the chorus, hand claps, pulsing and prodding. Um and a spirit to delivery, but uh, of the three, least musically interesting for me, but uh, conceptually, yeah. Uh, you know, coming from Wigan, as uh, as you do, Phil and Al, we, uh, we are drenched in the, the lie dream of the casino soul and what it meant to our town and how beautiful it was, but also whether or not it was real. Went to my home, went home to my slum canyon, on my way, I looked up. I saw turrets of Victorian wealth. I saw John the ex-fox sleeping in some outside bogs. There's a silent rumble in the buildings of the Night Council. It's a meet of, meeting of controllers. And of course, as we all know, in 1978, uh, Wigan Casino was voted best disco in the world, beating out Studio 54. <laughs> quite quite the honour. But what does Pip think of this song? Brilliant. I also it's great. Um, it's it's got a lot of character about it. I, I, the thing that that really jumped out to me after a few repeated listens of it was the breaks and just how clever the music is that's been that's been pieced together because it's really tight, isn't it? And there's a lot of variety going on. There's a lot of moving parts with it. It reminds me of one of those like clown orchestras with lots of different horns and you know silly bits of percussion and stuff. It feels like all that kind of coming together, but but all the better for it. Very funny lyrics. Um, the 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 lines that stand out, you know, they stick with you. Um, some very <laughs> some very um, pithy comments about uh, working class culture and uh, and leisure. Um, and, you know, I had, I had working weeks with uh, unfilled weekends. What did, he, what did he say that thing? Hard livers who were hard livers. Yeah. Um, so it's it's all great for that. Um, yeah, and the and the the, the Wigan things fab as well, isn't it? You know, a little bit of our heritage and culture. Um, uh, Hanley, Paul Hanley, our leading guest, said that the line "I think I'll cut my dick off" uh, because of the trouble it got me in was a a, a, a more or less verbatim quote from someone Mark knew who was a casino regular at the time. Hopefully, none of our family members. But um, <laughs> but as what could be, you, it could be. <laughs> what do you make of Lie Dream? This is an absolute classic for me. Yeah, like even before I heard it and repeating myself again, I was just captivated by the title of the song Lie Dream of a casino soul uh, and you know that that um combination of words lie dream is something which i just use in my vernacular because it's so applicable to almost every aspect of this stage of capitalism <laughs> that we're living in like the whole thing is a fucking lie dream um and yeah 
I again, I've got to agree with with Phil, with Al, and with Stuart that the music is just wonderful, intricate, marvelous, great stuff, and fucking kazoos. They could have used more kazoos. That's the only thing the fall did wrong with kazoos is they could have used more. Uh, I'll I'll read some of the lyrics that uh, came out to me. I'm a uh, I'm a bit jagged right now in a tongue-tied, wired state, because Sunday morning dancing, I had an awake dream. I was in the supervision department of a big town store, security floors, one to four. They had cameras in the clothes dummies. A man came up to them. He wanted sex in the dummy's eyes. Then came up the cry, security mobilized. Meanwhile, in the sticks, trolls rich, dancing cardboard pants. And I guess this just goes to show the lie dream of a casino soul. Now, the thing that jumped out at me at first was the line, like a man comes up to them, he wanted sex in the dummy's eyes, like the way he kind of flips it. So that, you know, like, it's like the dummies that represent the whole fucking lie dream of consumerism are the ones that see that he wants sex, not necessarily him. Because this is the thing, I think, with a lot of fucking... Uh, working class slash youth culture, at least this was how I experienced it, was, yeah, you go out dancing on a Friday, Saturday night, and if you're lucky, you might get your end away. But I don't think that's the reason. that It wasn't the reason that I went out. I went out because I fucking like dancing. And dancing, to me, is a kind of an exorcism that is essential to maintaining any degree of sanity in this fucked up universe that we're living in. I don't in. think those things are mutually um, exclusive. I like dancing. No, 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 absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> but, you know, if I didn't get my fucking podger wet, I wouldn't go home crying either. You know, more often like, than not, I would with a big jagged smile on my face. And, and so, you know, and like... We'll just have to agree to differ on that. <laughs> <laughs> You've obviously never masturbated in a public toilet, Phil. <laughs> well, you know what, Ezra? I've been holding off. Uh, I'm going to show you all a... This is a song about Wigan people, right? So one, uh, one, one, article, one activity I had with a friend of mine who was not from Wigan, who was an American, I said, type in the words Wigan man into Google and just see what comes up. And it is the most horrific series of articles. I'm going to show you one now. I'm not going to tell the listeners what it is. I'm just going to have your responses to it. So be ready. You've probably seen it before, some of you. <laughs> that for me is another one that happened in Wigan that's similar. That for me is Wigan all over. Unfortunately, this um there, there's a follow-up to this actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the follow-up. Well, we're in amorous breeze. Yeah, yeah. If you'll indulge me for a second. Uh there's a follow-up story. Two years later, there was a fall. Not the not the dance floor shitter. No, that's a whole different. <laughs> that's a whole different one. A turder on the dance floor, as it is was done. We had listen. Uh, we this had, is the follow up. We had a thing going. We had a thing going. It must have been for a good three or four years. Where Brendan would find stories of people defecating in public from Wigan newspapers, where he would just send me the links to the article. 
No message, no context, just the link to an article. It's another Wigan man story. So let that be a word of warning. Wigan <laughs> is another place to visit, mention, or, 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 or think about. And uh, Mark Smith has or a lot of play on. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, uh, the last word there is um, Max says pro art, um, threat light, lie dream, um, etc. He said all that, didn't he? Um, let's take a vote. It's we're an hour in, it's the first vote. Um, you are only allowed to choose two of these. Let's just put um, one out dead if it's 14 2 in. <laughs> you can think about whatever you like, Alistair. I'm not going to stop you. So, <laughs> which two? Are you voting in? Or, if you like, which one are you voting in? <laughs> uh, Philip, you're first. I hate you. You're a very, very <laughs> bum man. It's only going to get worse from this point on. Drinking um, bottles. I actually think, um, the, the, um, I think, the, I think the three-way is worse than the two-way. Yeah. I am um, voting out for all that threat. <laughs> All right, so you are voting in second arc. I dream. Um, Ezra, which way are you going? Yeah, I'm going with my heart. I'm drunk and doing the same as Phil. Oh, art. Come on. Alistair, second arc age, prol art threat or a lie dream? Uh, well, I'll go to Wigan and I'll go with a prol art threat. Okay. And how about, um, well, I'll tell you what, Michael E., our, our voting Patreon, has gone for second dark age and prol art threat. So it is very close indeed. What does Tim say? I've decoded it. He's, he's done some ridiculous scoring here, but the way I'm interpreting it is that he's voted out second dark age. So my dream is through, and it's down to me as to whether prol art threat or a second dark age goes through, and this is it's a tough one. I knew my life would reach this point. But... Feel the hate. Feel the hate. <laughs> I'm going with Second Dark Age. As much as I like Pearl Art Threat, and is a better song musically, I think Second Dark Age is deep as food. <laughs> um, and so, it's meta. Second Dark Age and Lie Dream go through. Hooray. And that brings us now to our next three way, which is My Door is Never. Mexico wax solvent and lodestones should be a little easier, although there's some gems in here. After having voted out pro art threat, we now have to put one of these pieces of shit through. <laughs> it won't be this one. I'll give you that. Generic Reformation era riffage, that breathy kind of vocal that he did on the album where he sounded like he was right up against the mic and just reading the lyrics for the very first time. Eleni is so far down in the mix that she's not even there. Um 
I only listen to it because it is a fall song. I would never listen to it again in any other context. That is all I have to say about it. But more importantly, what does Pip think? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, the other day, the the uh, the guest we had on was talking about the blood out of stone and kind of how weak uh, that lyric is. Um, it's a bit of that with this. It's uh, it's it's a bit of a uh, it's it's not a great foot to step off onto uh, onto the launch of the song. Um, the the riff itself is decent. You could do something with it. It's it's uh, I I've enjoyed your um, what like an Egyptian dancing as we were <laughs> we were listening to that. It's got a bit of the bangles about it. That's that's not a bad thing. Um, it has got that. Unfortunately, it's missing something else. It's not. It's not really got anything else going on with it. So it's. It just gets a bit dull after a while. There's. There's no salt and pepper in it. Um. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Sadly, it, it doesn't uh, step up. It, it was really strange. The as I've listened to more of the Reformation stuff, that that thing that Smith does, where he does seem like he's he's breathing into the microphone i'm not sure if that was a choice because it doesn't happen on any other album but it happens on almost every song on reformation however <laughs> this is a ba- really bad production or just an experiment that he tried for every single song i don't know but ezra what do you make of my door is never well you know i mean i think when you buy a full album uh, um one thing that you would probably be looking forward to hear is the sound of a kind of a classical lineup of rock instruments arrangement of rock instruments guitars keys bass drums playing pretty good music and marky smith singing some lyrics over the top of it so it's saying a lot that my favorite song on this album is das boot where there's almost no singing and just a lot of weird electronic noise having said that my door it it's actually got some of the nicer music um from the band for me like i can listen to this while i'm chopping onions um but yeah the lyrics and it it just all i wrote in my notes was isn't it a bit late in the day for a bricks disc track that seems to be what it is and considering he'd already done like about an album and a half of bristics disc tracks um yeah maybe maybe that's enough Bricks dissing. I don't know, but anyway, yeah. There was a bit of a letdown. Yeah, there's a suggestion uh, on the Untitled Fall that um, the reference at the end of the Bricks book, spoiler, which we're going to be uh, coming to in a few weeks' time, um, were she uh, pops around to Mark's house and she looks for the letterbox and he doesn't answer. I don't know whether or not she considered he might not have been in, but uh, anyway. (laughs) Will I prove my nerve to you? Or impress your dipshit head like others do. I crave your death inside my mind's eye, and my beer will never be open. Um, Alistair, is your beer open to this song? Mm, no, not really. Um, it's kind of like standard, sort of can't make its mind up if it's indie or if it's heavy metal. Uh, you know, it's just exists like you know. Uh, it's like you know, like an annoying wasp in the corner of the room, just buzzing away. Um, but the thing that makes it really annoying for me is it's like the, the, some of the stuff on the guitar, like the, the harmonics, 
Like it's just it, it sounds like really fast harmonics as well. Like, you know, I mean Slint do harmonics really well. Um beautiful. That's just like some heavy metal guff. Um and you know, it sounds like been made to listen to a couple of Link Ray LPs and they're doing a pretty poor effort at sort of like trying to send a little bit like that. But you know, and what can you say about everything else? I mean, yeah, the, 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 the Elaine is well low in the mix, like they, she should have been a lot louder, that would have well improved. The uh, drums are up front, but you know, they don't really do anything, it's just sort of like, um, you know, it sounds like somebody's had loads of lessons <laughs> and they're doing all the technical stuff right. Um, so it's you know it's I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's it's dog shit like because it's not it's just it just it exists it's there. What's really weird is oh no that's totally wrong. I was gonna say what's really weird is it's the same lineup on the next two songs, but it's not. It's a totally different lineup. So uh, it's ignore that. Um, it's here's what Max has to say over on Patreon: a jam, a garage riff with mess singing over the top. This is pretty good, but gets boring after a while. It's like after 2006, song structure is seen as something bourgeois. Um, <laughs> I will say that they do commit to the riff in, in all of these three songs that will kind of come to this next bit. But it's it's the wrong <laughs> riff. <laughs> it's the wrong riff. Commit to the riff. Listen, if you're going to pinch a harmonic, pinch it properly. Um <laughs> Um, uh, have we heard all? We've not heard from Tim. Tim will have no time for this shit whatsoever. Tim, Tim, Tim. It's Reformation sound, processed bass, deserty guitars, locked groove, sub jam, band variation. Not much happens. There's worse, I suppose. There is worse. It's um, it's it's finished now. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you never have to do that one again. Hold no, on. it's. <laughs> So let's have a listen to what it's up against, which is Mexico Wax Solvent of Our Future, Your Future, Our Clutter, 2010. There goes that Yorkie. There goes old Archibald Yates. Make it go. the third consonants they love their governments in Mexico where are Britain's lowest prices it just tickled me every time this week when I listened to um, Where Are Britain's Lowest Prices. I thought it was a delightful line and so what do you make to Mexico wax solvent? Yeah, I'm 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 quite fond of this one. I got to say, um, was that Max who uh, just <laughs> just described the Falls approach to uh, songwriting as song structure became bourgeois? Yeah, because fucking kudos to him. <laughs> That's a splendid, splendid observation. And and here maybe it's a little bit similar, but I think there's a lot more to it than my door like. It's got a nice dynamic that they often seem to lean on where it starts off with a groove and then just gradually gets swamped by various other things. Um, I really like, Eleni does fucking sterling work as always, starting off with some like fucking acid flatulence 
and then it goes into these like kind of FM synth bells through some delay at the end, and it, it's damn fucking good electronic shit. And also, yeah, the lyrics are quite hilarious. Like uh, Trimadine is kicking in, and the barbiturates are kicking in. It's the winner of Britain's lowest prices. I don't make rice with screwdrivers or fried chicken with a trowel. Where's the puss? Ho-ho! Hand me a wrench or a sachet of sick. Is this marvellous empire? It is winner of Britain's lowest empire. Um, (laughs) Smashing! Smashing excellent stuff. Yeah. And and read my notes. I've got Aquarosa, solvent, illness, Yates, physician, Archibald Yates equals Archimboldi in Bolaño's 2666, alchemy question mark, Lowry question mark. So, yeah, that's an interesting one, which was from the uh, annotated fall. This Archibald Yates character that's referred to, they, someone feels, could be the kind of mythical character for, I don't know if you've ever read any uh, Bolano, Roberto Bolano. I'm a big fan of his stuff. Yeah, I read 2666. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, it is. That's one of his best ones, but uh, there's a lot of other really fucking great shit. And this Archimboldi guy, I think he's in more than one of the books as well. And so, yeah, you know, they're supposing that this Archibald Yates character in the song is a cipher for Archimboldi, who is a German extract dude living oh, in Mexico. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, that would, yeah, 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 that yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, and, and that's about it. But, yeah, you know, this is a nice, nice track. And, you know, when you say it's inoffensive, it's not inoffensive in the way of uh, My Door Is Never Opened, where I can just suffer through it without crying. It's inoffensive in the way that, like, you know, while I'm cooking, I can start kind of bobbing my head to it a little bit and, you know, getting into it. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And Philip, follow that. Yeah, it's um, it's it's got it's a weird mixture of things, isn't it? I've written lumbering bass line, but I don't. That sounds quite pejorative, but I don't. It's it's not really. It's just the kind of the, the tempo that it strikes up. Um, but it is a bit of a weird collage of different musical things going on. Like the the arpeggiated guitar that comes in is a bit incongruous. There's um, the the keyboard itself is it feels very abstract. I'm sure it's it's relatively simple what's being played, but the the setting that it's it's on and the way it's being produced makes it sound quite sort of angular and and uh, and left field, I guess. Um, so it's I, I like what Ezra said at the end. Then it's it, it is it's certainly more head noddy than the last one, um, and you can you know it's it's less offensive like that. But it's it's not got anything that grabs you by the scruff of the neck and forces into it either. So, but definitely better than the last one. Yeah, and I think that's where Smith comes in. He steps it up as well on this one, and there's more Eleni. So. It, it it is similar in some ways to the last one, but a better production and a little bit more um interesting stuff going on. And yeah, the lyrics are hilarious. And just like I said, had me chuckling all week about Britain's lowest prices of British Britain's <laughs> lowest empire and the lowest prices in Mexico. Um 
And then you know you you put the layer on, on top of it of the Archibald Yates and who was the writer you were talking about? Bellano. Bellano. So this if if it's a specific reference, then he's he's done he's done it again, isn't he? He's 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 mixed low and high art pro art threat. Too bad we voted if out. If that if that's true, it also goes to show that even in the sort of later part of his uh, career. He was still hitting the books heavy. He was still scratching around for things, wasn't he? And and that's Bologna is, is is well known in literary circles. Do you know what I mean? It's not like the kind of thing you pick up an earphone. Yeah, and we're giving the benefit always. We're giving the benefit, but uh, for every page of Bologna, twenty minutes of Trisha. So. Um... <laughs> <laughs> What is that list? <laughs> Mexico wax solvent. Yeah, they definitely agree with you about the lyrics, but I mean, like the, the vocal delivery, I think, is, is pretty good on this. There's loads of attitude in it. Um, it sounds, it sounds like he means what he's saying. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty sort of like bombastic, strict groove throughout the song, like which may have been a bit more interesting if chucked in a, a little bit more looseness to it, just for like comparison, but. Um, you know, it's a solid bass riff holding down the the tune. Uh, the synth's great. You know, complements everything else brilliantly. Like uh, could have done with being louder. Uh, that might have been nice. Um, yeah, but I think that like the the, the mix could have just been better with the song in in general. Like, uh, it did remind me a little bit of some uh, like fourth or fifth. LP by Blues Explosion, um, where they start getting into sort of like more studio y kind of uh, hip hoppy grooves. Um, but, you know, it's, it's all right. I think it's considerably better than the uh, uh, Door song. Um, yeah, it's all right. Decent. Indeed, Max. Um, over there, so this is much better. If you're going to do one riff for the whole song, make sure it has lots of little elements that come in, in and out. It's like writing electronic music. As ever, I'm resisting the urge to go on Doombie and find out what the hell the song is about. Doombie, of course, being the real uh, URL of uh, Annotated Fall. What does Tim think? Hmm, so he's put good later day fall but not at the tippity-top. I like the jolly arpeggio that comes in at some points. The synth is delightfully squelchy. Lyrically, it's wonderful and absurd. I love the phrase, fresh-faced physician, and as someone well-drugged, I know that tramadol is kicking in feeling. The drawl of the aqua rosa parts is great too. You know, fuck it. It is tippity-top, and anyone that doubts it can eat my ass. I will not be eating that arse because I agree with him. I think it is tippity top. But what I do think is these three songs, um, My Door Is Never Then, Mexico Wax Into Lodestones, is a very clear uh, progression of of sorts. So um, why don't I have a listen to the third in this uh, three-way debacle, Lodestones Off Remit 2013. <laughs> Local Loudstone Local
Um, while we're on uh, Remit, there was the um, the release that came out a little bit called uh, Omit a, a few weeks ago um, on on Cherry Red, and it was uh, advertised as uh, new new stuff. And I, and I guess it is to some people, but uh, to us seasoned fall fans, <laughs> we. Um, We've listened to those songs before, so the stuff on Omit is um, is four tracks and it's nicely produced and is a new uh, drawing that's in the the style of the remit cover, I guess, by uh, Smith's sister. Um, it has a, a version of Hittite Man on and um, a song called Afternoon Disco that we covered on the Between the Cracks, uh, similar with a song called Suddenly Certainly, and then um, it has Grey, which is an early version of William Ray. Just wanted to. To, to clear that up for listeners in case they were like, hey, you know what, this this Omit EP came out, Omit EP came out, and you, and you haven't covered those songs. We have, so shut it. <laughs> <laughs> Alistair, don't they just, what, don't they just uh, <laughs> Alistair, what do you think of the song Lord's Dance? Well, the only thing I wrote down for this one, it sounds like a, a Led Zeppelin tribute band playing the theme from Grange Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, boom. Great tune. Mm. I remember yeah. once I was watching uh, uh, some random thing on, on television in, in Japan and uh, the theme, it was like a cop drama or something, and the theme tune to Grange Hill came on because it's obviously a piece of library music, right, so that they can, you can buy it. And, and <laughs> this is so so weird, so incongruous, you may say, to have this <laughs> cop show with the theme tune to Grange Hill going on because that is so, that flying sausage that flying sausage is, is so ingrained in my mind. Um, but what does uh, what does what does Ezra think of this song? That's what really matters. Well, did you know it was Pythagoras who actually wrote the theme tune to Grange Hill? I, mean, I thought um, he did Countdown, but yeah, maybe he did more than one. He also did that as well. He did a lot of things in between his breaks from bean munching. Um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, yeah. Uh, the uh, the theme tune to Grain Show played by a Led Zeppelin tribute band is actually, funnily enough, exactly what I want to hear. And yeah, <laughs> I really, really love this song. Um, again, it's got that same dynamic where it, it's just following that same kind of riff with a couple of breaks and then like, you know, washes of synth and feedback gradually engulf it. And the lyrics, like uh, Mexico Wax Solvent, are excellent. Like, far from the tower, a light sea breeze ruffles blood, skin is bleeding, shoes for the dead, shoes for lodestones. Like this pagan horror, the stones screaming with the voices of the dead. Fucking beautiful, beautiful stuff. And then I read the entirety, or I tried to anyway, read the entirety of the annotated fall uh page on this song and it fucking broke my head because it got very very deep into a lot of fucking stuff um and that all impressed me but my head was broken so i can't regurgitate slash plagiarize any of it for the listeners tonight
So they also said it sounded like Matty Gross, who off um, Nathan Leeds by Firth Pog Avenger, which obviously sounds way more like how I wrote Elastic Man than, um, than <laughs> this. But, um, man, if you are of a certain age, hearing that Grain Chill theme tune, it does things to you <laughs> that, that, no, that no other piece of music can. Um, like Pythagoras, he could really write a tune, couldn't he? <laughs> he certainly could. <laughs> That turnaround. Because <laughs> it's done with triangles. It's all, it's all, Fibonacci had his hand in it as well. Uh, I thought it was a nice, um, nice riffage. Uh, again, it feels like a progression, these three songs. Each one is getting uh, a little bit closer to the essence of fall. Uh, they commit to the riff, is what I would say. Um, more Eleni, more balance. Greenway's given little to do, but uh, what the thing has he does he does well. Um, I um, this has grown on me a lot. I thought initially it was quite a generic kind of tune, but listening to it in context with Mexico Wax and uh, My Door Is Never, I now think it's the greatest thing ever written. What does uh, Pip think though? That's what I'm like. Yeah, it's I, I guess out of these three, this is probably the one that's most sort of together, more coherent as a bit of music. Um, it's uh, from the opening kind of bars. It sounds like it's going to be a Jesus Jones track or something like that with the, the production on it. But then it it sort of it slips into this full B fart riff. I had it as um, you know, it's like if you asked uh, an indie band uh, to to do like a B farty kind of song, this would be a decent stab at something like that. Um, so it's it's quite enjoyable to listen to. I didn't dislike its piece of music, but again, it's just I don't know. Perhaps it's because we started off with three really amazing tunes that these three just can't, you can't help but compare them to that. So again, this didn't sort of uh, put a spring in my step. Um, unlike that time we played uh, at that gig in Manchester and I snapped a string. Did the um, what's it called? The one near Piccadilly train station. Oh, what's that venue? The dead long one called Nine Cafe. No, not that one. The um, I can't remember. But I snapped a string when we played a gig, and I jumped off stage. And as I was bounding down the uh, the venue to get to the Spurs, Matthew Dahl and the other guitarist started to play the Grange Hill theme tune in time to me running down the venue. <laughs> to which people started to clap along, and then the rest of the band joined in. So thanks for uh, reliving that trauma. <laughs> <laughs> well what does tim think of this song i don't think i should tell you <laughs> best album since rnflp what a brilliant piece of music stacked up and ramshackle but then pulled together perfectly to the local monster on a bit both i and after dark sunset my brother and i we walked the path far from the tower a light sea breeze ruffled blood Skin is bleeding, really evocative. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> what's uh, what, what's left to do here? Max says oh. this. Oh, oh God, oh God. What does this sound like? Maybe sounds like the Weller Man may come. Bring us sugar and tea and rum. I'm getting nautical vibes. Something about the island lyrics. Maybe it's deliberate. Does not outstage welcome. A Jolly Roger little tune. Um, has Tim told us what he thinks of, of Lodestones? Yeah. I, I <laughs> I just read it out and then you played the bloody Grand Jill theme tune over the top of it. <laughs> I've had a couple today. You might have noticed. 
Um, that's why I'm... Why you got all shiny? Exactly. <laughs> um, it's time to take a vote. Lord Stones versus uh, My Door is Never and also Mexico. So how many goes through this time? Because you keep changing the rules. Right, this, it's, it's always two. It's two. It's always two. two if there's three, go. if there's three, there's always two. That's your rule. <laughs> we rather uh, have Mexico, Lord Stones, and uh, whatever the other one, the one that's going out. Um, what? Which one do you vote in through, Pip? I think the door one is the worst one. Yes, I also think that. So that's easy, isn't it? What does uh, Ezra think? Door, 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 door. The door is the worst. What do you think, Alistair? Well, I'll vote through uh, Grangel and the uh, Wax Elephant, please, Mr. Brendan. Same, in it. What about Tim? It's a done deal. It's a route. He's been whinging all week about voting that. Oh, he, he knows that the door's the worst. Door's the worst, isn't it? All right, let's play Arms Control Poser, which is up against Riddler. Let's have a listen. Watch yourself, or the police are going to come for you. The word mother is fuzz. You're going to get yourself arrested. The word mother is busted. <laughs> what does Pip think of arms control poser? I had not heard this one before, and I don't know what the history is behind it. Is it? Is it like? Um, it was was this on an album or a beat? It, it was on uh, the cassette version of Extra Cake. Ah, yes. okay. Okay, I was having a bit of difficulty sort of placing where this comes, but nineteen ninety. <clears throat> it's uh, it's a bit different, isn't it? I mean, it's a bit of a weird one where uh, the guitarist gets let loose to to kind of just rock out all over it. I mean, it's very tasteful. Whoever's doing it, um, there's it, it's sort of for a four and a half minute jam, which is basically what he's doing. He's just kind of uh, rocking out all over it. Um, there's, there's only a couple of patches where it loses a bit of puff. Generally, I think he, he nails everything. It's, it's Brammer, I think. It's, Is it's it Brammer? Brammer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. The energy, the dynamic about it all is great. And uh, the I think the rhythm section, is it struggles a bit. It's a bit dire straits in places. Um, but generally, it's got a really good vibe about this. It was one that I wasn't familiar with, but um, as soon as it started, it was like, yeah, all right, this is a bit different. It's it's nice. I picked up on the the kind of squawking guitars that all the way through it with a harmonica, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. A nice noise against the stubbornly regimented drums, which yeah, um, I think it works for the fall. But in most bands, the the drums would have gone for the kind of loosey, 
vibe as well, rather than just sticking with the drum machine thing. Uh, Mez is kind of pensive. Um, and um, I, I think I, I originally said Craig didn't play like this very often. Then I realized that, that it was extricate, which suggests it's probably Brammer. And, and Craig could definitely, Craig Sandlin definitely could play like this, but he hadn't all through that era, like like for since yeah we're probably way back in slate's kind of era so um i'm I'm guessing this is brahma um parliament connives a deceased access company there's nothing i can do much about this so i drink and recline with an acquaintance sound spouses talking on the phone to a well-armed arms controlled poser um supposedly the arms control poser is a, is a reference from the New York Times to our good friend, President George W. Bush, if you remember him from the, from the history. Um, the little fella. The little fella. His dad was boss, and then he got to be boss as well for a while. Um, but uh, Ezra, what do you reckon to arms control poser? Yeah, this was dead interesting. This was a new one for me as well. And listening to it first, you know, thanks for thanks for clearing up that about the uh, time it's released, because I kind of thought, oh, this must have come out around the time of Code Selfish, because it's got that kind of slightly baggy thing. But if the fall are going to go baggy, this is actually how I want it, want it to sound, you know, where you've got some proper actual fucking grit from the guitars and uh yeah you know it's not that swamped in the electronics and the keyboards so yeah i really really liked the kind of loose lumped loose limbed uh loose lumped funk of it um and the other really interesting thing is that it seems like he's paraphrasing the novelist malcolm lowry this is according to the annotated fall thank you paul um and Malcolm Lowry is a very interesting novelist. So the stuff that he's paraphrasing from at the start of the song is from a book I haven't read. I've only read one of his books, Under the Volcano, which is a fucking marathon book about a dude, an expat. I don't know if you've read it, but it's about an expat uh, in a fairly privileged position working in the Mexican embassy who is the worst kind of lush like he's an intelligent guy and he's got a lovely wife and he's obviously got a fair chunk of cheddar working at the embassy but is hell-bent about destroying himself on mescal and i think that's pretty close to malcolm lowry as he was as an actual person um like a hell-bent self-destructive alcoholic with brain cells to burn and so i can also see why Marky Smith may have been interested. And yeah, I, I, you know, if you're into books by people who are very, very intelligent and also hell-bent on self-destruction, Under the Volcano might be the best book. And, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff here because it's like drawing parallels with George W. Bush, who is like a paragon, American masculinity, also a bloodthirsty fucking cunt. And this is, you know, I don't know if it's exclusive to white men, but this kind of drive towards self-destruction, even when you're smart enough 
to know better. I wouldn't say that George W. Bush was, he might have been smart enough to know better. He might have not been. I don't know. Mark E. Smith and Malcolm Lowry both certainly know better and yet continue to like steer their own path towards the. I don't, I don't think he would get accused of being an intellectual powerhouse, would he? No, no, no. no. W- yeah. No. No, yeah, you know, and and that's not it. But it's this thing about the masculine urge towards self-destruction that seems to be coming through here, um, to me at least. And yeah, it's a it's a fucking nice track. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Arms control poser. I found my home. I made a calendar that wasn't there to find whether it was the first of December or not. In pity and envy, dragged from the streets, I quite very much enjoyed his jovial wise. What about you, Alistair? Your jovial wise? Oh, quite enjoyed this one. Um, th- yeah, th- this uh, the vibe to it's really nice. Uh, in the way it's, it really reminds me of the Era Aurora thing that was probably recorded at the same time, possibly. Oh, also, like. Brammer, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just love like the, the slidey Sonic Youth kind of guitar thing going on, even though, like, you know, Fall have been doing that for years. Like, uh, it was nice to see it sort of reemerge. Uh, didn't mind the production. Thought it was like production's a lot better than um, what's it called, extra cuts. Uh, which the yeah, again, same era. Like, but um, yeah, the, the way that like the drums and guitar sort of like work together. It was a bit of the uh, sort of like uh, white heat, white light kind of vibe to that. I thought so. It's like a nice garage tune. Um, yeah, good. I think it's interesting about Brammer is that I had listened to some of the Blue Orchid stuff. So after he left the fall, you know, he had a bit a bit of a time in the Blue Orchids and they backed up Nico and stuff. But by this period, I might be wrong, correct me listeners if I am, but uh, the Blue Orchids had actually moved a lot more mellow and a lot more indie. So it was really strange for me when he came back into the fall and had this really abrasive sound. If this is him playing, and I, I think it must be, this is really, really nice. And I, I kind of wish, yeah, that uh, even though Extricate is a really good album, I think had there been more of this kind of stuff on it, it would have been uh, even better. Yeah, absolutely great. What does Tim think? Let's have a look, eh? He has put, here we go again, another B-side EP track better than anything on the album. Tightly controlled recording with plenty of naff elements appropriate for the era, and the guitar is questionable at points, but there's something magical about the rhythm section I find hard to put in words. Indeed, indeed. It is, uh, uh, sad to say, another hard one, because it is up against Riddler, uh, off Bend Sinister, an absolute gem of a track from an album that cannot be remembered. Let's have a listen to 1986, 29th of September. Put that date in your diaries, people. Why, right, so I just wanted to beat Alistair to saying country teasers. <laughs> And Joy Division.
this is beautiful, beautiful hiss. So the story is that um, most of Ben Sinister was mastered from some not particularly top-notch source, but this song in particular was mastered from one of Smith's Walkman cassettes. And obviously the hiss is coming through, but the hiss is beautiful. It, may, it, it absolutely adds to the track. And, um, you know, and while we're talking about great bass lines earlier, like this really just... It really just holds it down with that thumping kick and the mood. Uh, when you see that Ben Sinister cover, that photocopied cover in All in Dark, like this song absolutely epitomizes that. Um, nice and beefy as it gets along, but doesn't lose that mysterious kind of uh, vibe. Everything is is bendy and sinister. And uh, Monday night at Operation Control, I sat facing rows of monitor mountains, mind control, life control, operation mind control. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a song that, again, the curse of Ben Sinister. I must have listened to this song 20 or 30 times over the course of my fall history. And every time I have no idea what's going to happen. Um do I think? It is a great riff. It is a great riff. When it starts off, and I, I, I love how long they hang on it. It shows real commitment. It's yeah, it's a really good evocative build-up, but I don't like what they go into for me this, uh, on this tune. I think it's, you've, uh, what are you doing, man? You've arrested <laughs> control of my screen, completely hijacked my ability to see my own notes, and made me look like a tithead. <laughs> the other thing I was going to point out about this actually is the uh, guitar solo, which is uh, like a noise guitar solo a couple of minutes into it, which I thought was really good. But uh, yeah, I can't help but shake off the country teasers thing because this is like, uh, what's it called? Golden Apples and all that kind of um, era of their stuff. It's it's all that very single note bass line played on the guitar type stuff, isn't it? Well, this is, it, it's a lovely, it's a lovely um, set of intervals that they've picked on the, on the, on the riff. It's great. Get you guessing. Again, nestled in the middle of an album um, that has a very clear sense of what it wants to be. But what, I ask, does Ezra want it to be? So there's this thing once where um, I think... Um, so Peter Cook was talking about Alan Bennett's plays, and he was like, "He's it's Alan Bennett's plays are all full of pregnant pauses, but you get paid for how long the performance lasts." And so he wrote a play that is almost exclusively pregnant pauses, so that he can make more money than Alan Bennett. Um, <laughs> if only I got paid by the pregnant pause. Um... Yeah, you know, it, it, it's the blessing and the curse of Ben Sinister that you kind of forget it every time you've finished listening to it, but then you return to it and then you're like, oh yeah, this is actually one of the Fall's best fucking albums. And this track has particularly captivated me, I have to say. It's got a really interesting structure, you know, because it kind of... It kind of leads in, and then it like it ups the tempo, and then it goes back into the kind of like the the um you know into the kind of dirgy stuff. And it to me it you know like a lot of people kind of like when they reference the fall as a 
band with goth leanings or a band that experimented with gothicism before rehabilitating itself back into a garage rock band. They're usually talking about this album as a kind of a goth album. And, you know, I think it's partly because of this track. And I think there's a triptych of sorts on Ben Sinister, which would be R.O.D., Gross Chapel and Riddler, which are all gothy as fuck. And I don't, I think the fall revisit those moods on other albums, but yeah, I don't think they actually do it in the same way that they kind of do it here. And I really like Riddler because the lyrics are completely like obtuse, really. I mean, apparently it's about the, the thing that like local kids, they used to kind of like shout Riddler at outsiders. And I love that kind of like League of Gentlemen type concept, you know, and, and every place has this. There's just some weird shit that the kids or maybe everybody does that is just completely indecipherable to the outsider. And it's the magic of humanity. Uh, of all fucking living creatures, actually, that you just like look at it and you're like, "What are you playing?" At? It's What's like dressing up, like? dressing up in fancy dress on Boxing Day night, which is uh, is a, a Wigan tradition. But I didn't realise it was a local tradition until I moved out. Mm-hmm. When, you, when, you, when, you, when you when you when you went into Huddersfield Town Centre dressed <laughs> dressed as Jim, <laughs> Jimmy Savile on Boxing Night, it's a pantomime horse. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like masturbating in a public toilet when you haven't. It's like sex with the postbox. It's something that's kept inside the, the boundaries of Wiganbor accounts. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love this song for its ineffable mystery. And, and nothing more needs to be said except for by Alistair. What do you think? I muted him like 10 minutes ago. He has some fucking amusing himself. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Ben Sinister was one of the first four LPs I got, so I'm like quite familiar with it. Um, so, there's none of the sort of like forgetting about the songs. Am I still on mute? No. Yeah. It's because I did a grand jail thing. <laughs> Yeah, I like this because we could not really left to help in a paranoia. The breeding riff in it, it reminds me of like some sort of Craig Rocky stuff, like on a bad trip. Uh, but you know, the, the little fast riff they chuck in there, I think, really works because they keep it dead short and it really complements like the slow, uh, discord and dirge that you got going on. Uh, some nice guitar abuse and some lovely distorted sliding. Uh, nothing to complain about. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But what does Tim think about Riddler? Well, he's taken the following view. Another sinister treat, but maybe not of the same quality as the other heavy hitters on that record. For me, this track seemed like it's trying to recapture the black mass feeling of the best of PBL, but can't quite get there anymore. I think the guitar work that comes in on the breaks is a little too surfy, a little too jolly. That said, the background sounds are marvellous and messes on great fun. And I really do love it, especially when not removed from its context. Removed from context. Can anything ever truly be removed from context, though, Philip? Um, well, <laughs> all right, good. 
Good. So we have a vote of um, arms control poser up against Riddler. It's a it's a bit of a challenge. It really is. But which way are you going, Phil? Arms control poser. Really? I am going for Riddler. I think that is a delightful song. And a triptych of um, potentially Batman-themed villain songs. We have Two-Face. We also have Joker Hysterical Face. You're going to allow me that. Ezra, which way are you going? Riddler or Arms Control Poser? I feel like I have to go with Riddler. I think you do. Uh, Alistair? Aye, Riddler. Jimmy Aye. Riddler. Tim? Timothy Tim Tim says, uh, Arms Control Poser 6, Riddler 3.6. Yes. Well, um, Michael E. Uh, agreed with in the last vote. I didn't include his vote because everyone <laughs> agreed that... Uh, my doors never went out, but on this one, Shudovers and it's a win for Riddler, but live tapes, arms control poser easily wins, but he's gone for Riddler because of the more accessible format. And so Riddler goes through. Um, what I would say is that if you um, know, we've mentioned um, country teasers many, many times now, and I reached out to try and connect with Ben Wallows of country teasers, but uh, I failed so far. In, in many forms. So if you know Ben, or if you are indeed Ben, uh, please get in touch with us because we would like you to be on our show and to talk about how much you love the fall and how great the country teasers are. <laughs> um, but moving on, um, this is a weird one. So I, um, I'm i going to own this. I'm going to own this. You have to, own. kids, if, you're, if any kids are listening, you have to own your mistakes. I uh, messed up. I fucked up, if you will, kids, by a bit, by missing Hostile, all of the face, era three stuff. So this gets a buy. We're going to have a listen anyway, because it's a great track. So Hostile, off light, user syndrome, gets a buy into the second round, if you can believe such a thing exists when he, Pep, is going out. <laughs> Phil, give us a bit more. Oh, cheeky, cheeky. They never wanted to let his action down. But also, they wanted its sublime shadow dissolve and equality equally. He was always in the middle for him, on the fields, Brooklyn. They said, tone it down. So we went through the list this week just to double check I hadn't missed anything. And I had, I had indeed missed uh, both Riddler and this, uh, my error. But this is fantastic. This is great. I did not remember this from the album. Um, we talked about Dirgy. I mean, this is the Dirge brought like um, big and hard. And uh, that kind of those R's from the, the whether they're... Uh, 
real or keyboard based and then uh, bricks is doing those backing vocals um and the, the kind of a single drum sounds heavy and dark it's it's um what was really interesting was um these 11 kind of songs really work together totally randomly smith pulling the strings work together is a really nice album they flowed really well on this uh coming out of riddler was great because of that the same that dark uh dirgy sound and it's it's like um <laughs> 10 years is it's a full decade later and but it, bricks has just come back and um, yeah really really like this they never wanted to let his action down but they also wanted it sublime sheffieldism and equality equally he was always in the middle on the field of brooklyn's they said tone it down we all understood him, but he is hostile. We are the elite gangsters of the damned, criminals of the damp. You must come with us and hunt the hostile. That's beautiful. That is wonderful. Um, Pip, what do you make of hostile? Yeah, it's got a real epic big country feel to it all, hasn't it? Uh, I really like the backing vocal that Bricks is laying down on it. It seems to be the, the golden thread that sort of everything is, is wrapped around. Um, I liked it. It had a, a very soundtracky kind of feel to it, where it's it's much more around textures and moods rather than uh, anything more kind of logical. Um, and I did I I thought it, it would be good to complement something. I it's I didn't. Um, I'll be honest with you. This week with the words with the lyrics, I went down that second dark age rabbit hole, and I never came out all week. <laughs> So I, I don't really know what the what the thrust of the song is about, but um, there were certain lines that jumped out at me, like the the uh, Rutter's Fields line and things like that, where it's it's just it it just all felt very evocative to me. I really liked it. Yeah, it's it that notion of hostile. It does seem to be about a bad lad and his, his struggles with with the world around him. And um, Ezra, you're a bad lad. So what about your struggles? I'm very good. Actually, you're, you're a good, you're a good lad. I know. Here's it's a pound note. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, my brain pretty much crashed as well after I'd gotten through the fucking lyrics of the first three tracks of of tonight. Um, and uh, Brendan, you picked up on the lyrics that I liked, so I'm just going to read my notes for the sake of brevity, as this is just going straight on to the next one, and we'll have a bye. plenty of time. Default over the bones. Then, so my notes are, love the martial passion play rant aspect of the music. End. End, yes. Hinted in the religiosity, but never made explicit. Alistair, what of that dirge? It's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it sounds like something that they be used on some sort of teenage horror type film. Uh, you know, because it's got like the really dramatic edge to it, like you were saying with Brix's backing vocals and whether or not it's the keys or, you know, it's, it's lads in the band doing backing vocals. That all works really well. Um, it, the, like, the Tom's very surfy. Um, reminded me a bit of the Thunderbirds thing. But, yeah, it's one of the best ones on Light User. Light User is a, is a top-class album. And um, <laughs> and um, this is a great tune. And um, it, it was one that escaped my knowledge. And if nothing else, this podcast has, has given me a a gem to take with me into my later years. But what does Tim think? Uh, he says this. No, he doesn't. He says this. This. 
<laughs> Get in a buy in it. Well, in case Brendan changes the rules for no reason, I think it's very good. Bricks perfects it with a high tension line karaoke in the background. Mez may have been a bit fucked up at this time, and the band's life pretty miserable. But they captured some really fucking brilliant performances. Where I thought Riddler failed to recapture the dark magic of smile and garden, this one comes close in its own inimitable way. Wonderful stuff. Hostile 76.9. Brilliant. Malevolent and devious and just what we need as we go into the last showdown of the evening, which is Folderol, the very last round one showdown. Folderol of New Facts emerge against last commands of Zyrotrep via MES. Let's have a listen to Folderol. <laughs> tune isn't it folded all i mean raw the fact that this was the last record they made and i'm gonna give the smith the benefit of the day he wasn't just saying turn up i can't i can't fucking hear it turn up <laughs> um yeah i love that this is where they were going this is this is out of out of the box and burn knuckles in the car park and gurgly mark does not disappoint uh, the riff is so good that I don't even miss Eleni. You know, she's gone by this point, and that's a very sad thing. But uh, this is heavy, heavy beauty, raw. Alistair, you love the raw. What do you make of this song? I do, yeah. I, it's alright. You know, I think it's, it's a bit kind of like standard hard rock. It sounds like I, with a sort of man or astral man style production. <laughs> You know, you've got uh, mechanical drums, almost metronomic, uh, so they don't really give much for it, too much grooviness to it. But, it, you know, there is the occasional bit where it kind of, like, grooves. I bet it'd be good live. Um, but, yeah, I'm not, I'm not into the overall sort of sounds uh, of some of it. Um, like the reverby delay effects on the guitar, not brilliant, but... There's a bit where, you know, the, the drum stop late on in the song, um, that's, that's pretty good. But, like, more of that would have been uh, welcome. But it's all you right. Are, it's not shit. It's, you are, it's you, all right. You are not welcome back for round two. Pip. Welcome back every time. I just, sort of, like, impose myself on you. <laughs> what, Pip, what do you make of this song? I revolve. It's cock rock, isn't Fuck it? Off. Absolute Fuck cock off. rock. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. Is the power has gone to his head, Al? That's what it is. <laughs> it happened a long time ago. It's my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> He's had a few shandies. He's on, on the Sherbet Lemons. <laughs> mm. Come on. Right. We don't catch um, him in that. 
It's uh, it's fun. I like the way it starts. It's so much better when Mezzi's gurgling over the top of it. It's it's fun, uh, and I like it. And um, it's it's considering where they are in uh, where he is in his career and uh, and life. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's a it's a phenomenal performance, but the um, it's it's just a bit too greenware for me. It went straight on the Metal E. Smith playlist. Oh, actually, yeah, I was going to mention that. The Metal E. Smith playlist and Murky Soppy. Um, I, I'm going to, now we've got through round one, I'm going to uh, send that list out to us and we've got to pick our top five out Beautiful. of that list. Yeah. We should do a special episode on them. Meet me and you and you pick, let's put our heads together and do a Patreon only bonus episode. Let's do that. I like it. I like the way you spitball though. Um, I don't like either of you two and your opinions on this song about the fall. But um, here's what Mark said. Wow, wasn't expecting this to be great, but it is. Did Mark know he was dying at this point? I, I think he had a very good idea that this. He wasn't doing much more after this. But um, either way, he's not going gently, is he? Fucking boom. Love how it collapses at the end with the backward stuff. And Mez apparently being wheeled off rambling, then comes back. Can't beat a fake ending. So vital and urgent. I really know, need to go and listen to more of this later stuff. And we're going to get to this in the last of our specials, the last two albums. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you the generic nature of the riff, but the sound and the just the aggressive nature of the production. Really, really like it. Um, it really reminded me of like a shellacky kind of sound. As soon as it, as soon as it starts, it's it's got that like something off the uh, action park. You know, it's like they're going for a, the same kind of sound. It's not as good. It's not. As, it's not quite as as uh, fast. I think. Yeah, I think I wrote in my notes. It's a bit overly compressed. Uh, in oh some yeah, yeah. Production. Yeah. So it's so it's but. I do get what you mean. It, with with the headphones on and you're listening to it, it's like, all right, you know, I'm getting into this straight away. It it, it just um it could do with a bit more energy towards the end, I think, or a mm. bit more of a musical twist, maybe. But but also if you it, it it is it does come down to it is a pretty formulaic riff at its core, which they, yes. they do commit to. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but the the riff they commit to it would have it was a little more wonky. But it, what I really like is the fact that you know when you took those lads on board, you put them through the mill, and they, and they did the pub rock thing for a few years. And what's really interesting in these last two albums is how they jettisoned progressed to cock rock. Yeah. <laughs> well, they came from. <laughs> <laughs> he came from a metal background, and I think he kind of gave him a little bit more leeway to bring to bring some of that stuff in. Ezra, what do you think of this cock rock? <laughs> Up to the cock, it, 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 it's you know, it, it's the uh, what is it? It's the, uh, the hero's journey, isn't it? It is, isn't it? <laughs> Up to cock to sock to public toilet to police station. Uh, anyway, yeah, no, I, I mean. Fucking newsflash on their last album, The Fall, use steal a riff from another band. <laughs> that's that's yeah, you know, that's to be expected. And I thought this was for the last gasp, suitably pummeling and joyous. And I really, really liked it. Uh, some of the lyrics with gibbering infant, she strides 
horrible facts. You block hotel area with metal wedge potato dreaming metal wedge potato so even here in his last days he still had it and you know for me i i still haven't had the the pleasure of listening to the last full album new facts emerge from beginning to end by now i've heard all the tracks on it um uh but yeah so far as i'm recalling them it's this one nine out of ten and uh couples versus jobless that are the real fucking kickers. And I think all three of those are very top-tier quality full tracks, and this one also. You're a good man. You're a good man, Ezra. Don't let anyone tell you any different. Uh, what's Tim think of this song? He's put another belt to the top TMS performance and a great riff. Listening to this track this week and Couples Versus a few weeks back makes me sad to not be able to hear where they could have gone next. R.I.P. Mez, you sound utterly vital here, and I hope you're haranguing bastards in some spectral form somewhere or other. The collapse of this song also reminds me somewhat of death and its majesty. Enough said, but it is up against Last Commands of Xylus Rep via MES um, off the real new Fort LP Formerly Country on the Click 2003. <laughs> Vocal testaments of MAS coming from the little town of Speckmaster. Run, cash, the eternal forecast to keep everything normal is well beyond the capacity. All monies will try and Beware of thy lazy right hand, the focal point of MES, Locus and Xylus Rep. Avoid respectable television and respectable newspapers. They have neither the talent or the art. Beware characters connected with car adverts, real or assumed. The vocal testimony of MES coming out of the little town of Speck, Marsden. Um... What a way to finish. What a way to finish this, because this is the last episode of the podcast. So what a way to finish um, with the last will and testament of Marky Smith, Viola Zyler's rep. But Pip, as is customary or otherwise, what do you think of this? I really, really like this. I think this is Mez uh, channeling a bit of Burroughs. I don't know about this. Well, Interestingly enough, Burroughs actually wrote some Cthulhu Mythos stuff as well, um, which is, I feel, is kind of what uh, Mez is uh, channeling into here. <clears throat> I really like the intensity of the music. I know we've been talking about the last one as being quite powerful and raw and, and big. This is this is just as big. This, but this is sinister as well. It's um, it's it's interesting here a progression. From Dragnet to this point in the late, late, late part of the career with the 
it's lost that church hall production, but it's still got that lo-fi sensibility about building up in a very velvet undergroundy kind of way, isn't it? With tribal toms and the the clean guitar, but droney and uh, and and cutting through the rest of the music. I really like the production at the start with the call and response. I don't some kind of Lovecrafty, uh, mysterious alien message being transmitted to Sunday. This is Mez's shaman, Mez's dark shaman, a Lovecraftian uh, pawn in some kind of dark, dark story of weirdness. Um, I don't, I, I don't really want to pick apart anything else because I love that image, um, and I really enjoyed getting into this this week. Yeah, very sweet indeed, Alistair. What do you make of this? Yeah, it's really hypnotic. Again, like you know, we we mentioned dirges uh, earlier in the in the various songs, uh, but there's a really nice groove on it throughout, and uh, which just kind of like dead repetitive, dead hypnotic gives like Mark Smith sort of a perfect platform for uh, doing his thing over the top of it without any kind of like distractions. It's like it's a really kind of like lean tune, no excess fat on it, no excess crap. Um, yeah, and Phil picked up on the vocal thing at the beginning. That was brilliant. Um, yeah, they should have done more of that. But um, there's some good timings as well. Like you know, it's sort of when they drop things in, like uh, when they drop in the uh, the keys. That's uh, very nice. Yeah. So all, all in all, uh, good song from good LP. Well, real new fall LP. Only the country on the click. Yep. Every every single song has gone through except for uh, the cover of Houston. Um, which is amazing. I think there's um, 11 songs, 12 songs on the album. And, and if this goes through, then 11 of the 12 have gone through. Now, that says as much as about the late era of The Fall as it does about the 2003 album. But it's a great, that is a great record. And this is a beautiful track, a, a real left turn. Um, the, the riff, which isn't really a riff, it's, it's a kind of a squirrely, noisy kind of, take on garage rock that's mixed really low so it's like a it becomes like a spoken word piece that almost kind of over the top of this kind of really low mixed um piece of music um and the drums kind of galloping along and and conceptually i love this idea and then and xylothrep i can't get away from the fact that that's a very lovecraftian kind of name uh what is it nathalotep the 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 which i, I think is one of my favourite Lovecraft story of the dude who comes to town and brainwashes everybody into essentially nihilism. Um, and for this to be the last command of Xylothrep via MES, um, just, again, titles, that's that's brilliant. That's absolutely amazing. Um, I needed it a bit heavier and then at least six minutes longer, but uh, I'll take it for what it is. Um, but Ezra, what do you think of this? Yeah, this is a fascinating, fascinating track. You know, one of the interesting things that, like, you know, everybody knows how you pronounce Nyaletotep, which is the name of the uh, <laughs> outer god that H.P. Um, Lovecraft wrote about in such great stories as Dreams of the Witch House. Uh, you know, even, even uh, what's his name, that short Peter Chaparro, even he knows how to pronounce Nialetotep. But anyways, <laughs> it's interesting because in the in the title uh, of the song, you know, you, you, you see it written and it, it's, you know, 
you could you could pronounce that any number of ways, right? Like uh, what is it, Zalet Yotep, um, Zyrolotep, Zyrolothep, Xyrolothep, Tep, Shep, Palep, and when you're listening to the song and it's in the lyrics according to the the annotated annotated fall um but when you're listening and reading along with the lyrics it's actually muffled so you never hear the correct pronunciation of this elder god that uh whose last commands are being channeled through the great mes and i think that's marvelous um and yeah you know like it's nagging pagan witchy evil number one cash the eternal fork out to keep everything normal is well beyond the capacity all monies will try and escape the this is the focal of mes locus and um what a lovely track yeah i really really <laughs> really fucking like it and like you said brendan it could be much 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 longer um, but I will accept it for the length it's at. In a cave not yet invented or constructed, this is your vessel, M-E-S. From he to you, the one M-E-S procured, mountain waters blocked by dormant tree. See later on this LP. <laughs> um, it's so meta. Ironically, the track he's referring to, which is Mountain Energy, appears before this track, but uh, surely that's just meta meta. And yes. Um, but what does Tim think? Probably thinks that's post-cog or pre-cog. He's put one of my all-time favourites. The vocal texture is magical. You all know how excited I can get about literary lists. Six, avoid fat, aggressive men and handsome, aggressive men. In conflict, they disappear overnight with bad backs. Musically, it's perfect. I couldn't add or remove anything. For me, every moment of recitation... In the maze catalogue, the doggy's life from the past led to this moment. Give me this one short song over the entirety of the spoken word album. Those are, those are, that's truth being spoken to all kinds of power. But what does Alistair think of this track? <laughs> <laughs> Where's he gone? Should we take a vote? Um, it's a... Uh... Hey, words from Alistair. <laughs> Where is he? Is he, is he alive? Is I he think going? he said he was going to the toilet. He may have fallen in. Uh, I, fall... I, I thought he was just rotating the theme tune to Grain Shill there. <laughs> thrudging, thrudging the theme. Um, <laughs> 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 Pull yourself together, man. <laughs> <laughs> We almost got there. We almost got to the end. I can't do it anymore. It was, it was a really good effort. Oh, it's 
it's been too much. It's too much. Oh, <laughs> this is eyes bigger than belly. EBTB. Um, what about? It's like Succession. You saw how the vote went there, right? Come on, let's fucking let's fucking do right. it. We've burnt right. him. Last commands. <laughs> All right, Foldy Roll versus Last Commands. Which way are you going, Phil? Foldy Roll or Last Commands? Well, I'm feeling Gibbous, and I'm going to go for uh, Last Command. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Ezra. Yeah, it's it's quite tricky, but I will go with Last Commands. Let's assume that Alistair's gone the same way in his absence. What about Tim? Yeah. What about? What about us? Uh, he's gone. Last command. Yes, and uh, Michael E has also gone for last commands. And as much as I did like the cut of the jib, a foldy roll, it it can't really hold a candle to the to the majesty of, uh, of last commands. And so last commands goes through, which means last commands, Riddler, hostile, and some other stuff has gone through. And so that's the end. Of um, Steve Brandon, this is, is the end of Rome One, and I, I think this is a time for reflection. We've been involved in, and I, I just want us to think about the memories we've made over this time. Uh, one, one memory that I just wanted to revisit was Everett True making the joke that Alistair has said time and time again about what's happening. But I just wanted to take this moment to say thank you to you, all the team of people involved, all my partners. You know that we move forward. I most feel the need to masturbate. The public toilet, the internal springs. I'm smiling. Oh, I, I I appreciate you holding that back for so long, Philip. Um, but this is not the end. This is merely the midpoint in our journey, mathematically speaking. And so we will reconvene. Pythagorean. Yes, Fibonaccian. Um, Aristotelian. Um, and we will reconvene uh, in a few weeks. First, we will look at the Bricks book next week with Danny No. Um, famous from the 84, what we have stolen all this stuff from. And and then we will come back to the second chance bag in which um, things remarkably such as um, who makes the Nazis and are you missing winner, uh, the Book of Lies, Edinburgh Man, uh, Paranoid Man in Cheap Shit Room, uh, The Usher, <laughs> <laughs> and the Roush Rumble, which were voted out by our fucking idiotic... We're, all, we're going to hell for this. Our idiotic system. Uh, we'll get another chance, another shot. But anyway, if you're still listening, we love you all. We hope that um, when you do finally die, you're surrounded by your loved ones. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> and that's it. Bye.
Oh, 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 oh,